Why do salmon swim upstream despite the threat of the bear? Because laying down the foundation for the next generation is worth the risk. This is the Upstream Podcast hosted by me, Salmon Like the Fish, where guests share their pearls of wisdom that could have only been realized through the journey against the current of life. Your presence here and now is no mistake. Keep your ears and your heart open. There is something for you to gain. All right. Thank you for joining us. This is Salmon with the Upstream Podcast. Today's episode is going to be called, Are You in a Relationship or a Relation Shit? I'm just <laughs> I'm just realizing that that answers my question as to whether or not I can curse on this show. So, yeah, uh, you, you, I think you can. Um, well, you just did. So I, hope so. <laughs> uh, I think when I put this up on podcast, I was asked if it was an explicit podcast or not. And mm. I chose clean. Uh, maybe you can get away with one curse. I'm hoping you can get away. with Yeah, one. I think there's like excessive and there's degrees that are determined by people that don't matter. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, I think with about 45 hours, I think I'll be OK. Yeah, um, if that. So um, just to introduce everybody. Uh, to my very good friend, Aremo Massa. He's here joining us. Uh, Aremo and I had met, how many years ago, would you say? Well, you were talking a, a second ago about how long you've been married, which I know we're going to bring up, but I feel like it's got to be at least 10 or 11 from that. Yeah, I think so. I think that's about right. Because you had just gotten married practically before we met, like maybe like a year or so before that? Yeah, maybe about, yeah, somewhere about two or three years within that frame. Yeah, so, yeah, at least a decade, if not going on 11. That's wild. That's crazy. When's our anniversary? Do we have an anniversary? We need to figure that we out. Yeah, we got to figure that out. I wish I still had the email with like my Craigslist post in it, because oh, that would be the day. Yeah. That would be our, our coffee date. I would make that or our that anniversary. Or that Starbucks receipt. I got yeah. to put it in my box, you know, with my special things from a Rainbow Massa. I still have the same bank account. I wonder how far back <laughs> they can go. <laughs> so the, the, the way Rainbow and I know each other is um, we were both, uh, we actually met through Craigslist um, at the time. I was looking to play drums in a band, you know, as a drummer. It's really hard to play music uh, by yourself, and I'm not the kind of interested drummer who uh, just wants to practice rudiments all day uh, or to make YouTube videos, right? So all I really wanted to do was play music with a band. And so I went on Craigslist, and I found Aramo. We met up at a Starbucks, and then the rest is really history. I yeah. Know. We were kind of famous in the New York uh, uh, band scene, grunge, poppy, rock, yeah, uh, punk rock kind of stuff. Tri-State Legends, so popular. Don't, right. don't bother to look us up now. Yeah. Yeah, it won't matter now. You had to be there. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a moment. If you, if you missed it, you missed it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but it was epic, right? I actually had really good times playing with that band. I did too. It was, it, it was very nerve-wracking, not, not with you guys, but just like channeling that part of myself because I had not been a performer. I had not been in a band. I, was, I didn't take music in school, so like... Just jumping into it and be like, now I want to play music. And then, like, having bars be like, yeah, you can play on Tuesday. And then, like, going up on stage and then doing it again and uh, then doing it. I was like, man, this is nervous, but it's really cool. And yeah, especially playing those, like, um, those really iconic venues, right? We played Arlene's Grocery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what was that one we went? We played uh, with the Smoking Popes. Smoking Popes was Webster Hall, but it's not Webster Hall. It's like their, it's like their, yeah, band. it's their basement section, which yeah. I'm forgetting what it's called right now. But that was, I think, I guess that was like our best show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Minus that one uh, bar that <laughs> used to be a strip club and it had a stripper pole. But <laughs> yes, our our two attendee show. Yeah. And one of those people was the, the DJ, DJ. The DJ. 
who was also the was it like pop culture what else did he do so he was a dj but he also did karaoke and karaoke he's, and, he's, and he was really good at uh, he was good what was that song mr that, brightside yes yep. yeah he sounded just like uh who's that band uh anyway you know him so well. yeah. mouse is it mouse something or other like modest mouse? modest is it modest mouse i don't know i don't know I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible with music history anyway the the reason why we're meeting today is you know both of us are in relationships, right? I'm married about 13 years right now. Uh, actually, going 13 years on February 24th. Hoping we make it. I'm sure we will. <laughs> and uh, Aramo, how long have you been in your relationship? Uh, I've been in my current relationship for two years. This past New Year's, we've decided that that's our anniversary. Uh, and yeah, two years. That's amazing. Uh, I think you know when you and I were kind of uh, chatting about what we talk about today. This is not your first go around. In this relationship, right? This is kind of... It's not. I, <laughs> I was deciding whether or not I wanted to tell that joke. But ah. we, we are two years this time uh, because, uh, I don't know, we've, we tried it once. We've had some struggles. and It was kind of like a, a little bit of a shell shock. And so we we parted ways and then decided to try it again, which is kind of like a really unusual step for me. But, yeah, second time around is the stronger time, and I hope it's the one that sticks. I hear that. You know, and it's really interesting that um, I think it's been over the past, like, month and a half to two months that we've been like kind of talking regularly and the mm-hmm. reason why i wanted to talk to you this uh, about this topic in particular is it seems that like every conversation we've had over the past one and a half to two months has really been uh, about our relationships the good and the bad of course um, because in every relationship there is both if you uh if your relationship is all good there is a problem <laughs> i am sure of that you are missing something <laughs> you, you are missing something you know so every couple of fights you know at some point in time i mean the the hope is that when we do fight, you know, with each other, we fight fair, you know, and, and that we uh, reconcile and move forward, right? That's the idea. And it mm-hmm. sounds like you did just that, you know, in, in kind of making this uh, second attempt into your relationship. Two years is awesome. Yeah, it's it may not sound like much to some people, but for other people who know <laughs> what it means, it's kind of a, it's an important step. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Now, um, in, in this culture right now, I mean, there's a lot of this hookup culture right you, so you see this i mean guys we're, i'm 38 now right how old are you again now Aramo? 24 20 no you're not 24 22 42 22 20 are, are you mixing up your numbers 17 <laughs> <laughs> uh actually I'm, I'm gonna be totally honest with you i i hate growing up and growing older so i've kind of started to forget i think i'm 38 no i, I might be 37 i think yeah, I, you my birthday was in November, and I just I do things instead of like celebrate the actual birthday, and then I just I honestly just start to forget. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say 37. I'm probably lying. It might be 38. <laughs> I think you might even be 36 because I, I think you're a year <laughs> yeah, or two let's younger. Just keep than me. Let's just say 36. Yeah. Let's just say 36. Whatever you guys vote on, we'll <laughs> go with that. Just just keep it on the lower side. So you know, you see this now, like hookup culture is like. Uh, is just rampant in our, you know, in our society, you know, and you see a lot of, you know, men, you know, in our age bracket who are still not married, maybe not even in a relationship and mm-hmm. everything like that. But, you know, you and I, you know, I, I would would like to kind of give the listeners, you know, who are out there who are even considering being in a relationship, like why be in a relationship and what are the kind of pitfalls? What are the benefits? You know, what kind of common struggles um, do we all share? You know, you and I, you know, even though I'm married and you're in a relationship that's where you're not married, um, we share a lot of the same struggles, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the big struggle is, and everyone knows this, I'm not, I'm not saying anything new, but uh, it's like uh, that whole adage, uh, women are from Venus and men are from Mars. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, 
what's been really helpful with you and I in having this dialogue, you know, regularly is that we've been able to relate to each other and to share our struggles. Because when we're struggling with that in our relationships, it feels like we're the only ones in the world dealing with this madness. Right. 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 And I, I think it feels that way specifically for us being guys, because guys don't talk about this stuff a lot or they may they may may think about it, but don't really know how to process it don't have enough other male or non-male friends that they feel comfortable sharing with. Whereas like with me and you, we are most often on the same page. Like we're feeling a way about something. We're kind of processing it. It helps to maybe talk it out more. It helps to have somebody we can trust. And I've definitely felt that way with you being friends for so long. Like even if we don't talk for a few months, I can just like pick up and just, just like word vomit to you. (laughs) And then, feel good that you can do it back to me so it's not just like a one-way street so it's been really good to find again in quarantine yeah Um, and i think what's happened in quarantine with the social isolation you know the the lack of being able to communicate with uh close confidants has been you know terrible you don't see each other face to face mm -hmm. and again like with with men you know you know you and i had talked about this whole idea of uh this binaryness you know, uh, it doesn't necessarily, you know, have to be men or women necessarily. Uh, but uh, yeah. you and I can relate as, as people. And it's very hard to, to uh, for us, you know, in our culture, we're expected to be a certain way as, mm-hmm. as you know, as men. You know, we're expected to just, you know, uh, tough up, you know, man up and, you know, don't talk about your feelings. Stuff them way down, way down all in your stomach until you, until you rage, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the idea. Which uh, is also a thing that, like men won't say to other men but through action you know a lot of people's fathers and forefathers will just show them that like just be tough be strong be a provider be all these other things but not really giving the examples of being a good communicator being passionate empathetic like all these other things just just be this figure be this big stoic providing godlike figure in your family right um so yeah and that's tough because you know for for some of for a lot of our fathers out there you know um who taught them their fathers right mm-hmm. so it kind of gets passed down generation generationally you know so i'd like to think um you know as as a as a father to my children and, and as a husband to my wife i want to kind of be this like generational uh, curse breaker you know yeah. i want to be different I, I want the the next generations after me to be more um woke <laughs> can i say that am i too old to say woke? uh be more wise right yeah um, and yeah. that's the whole idea of this podcast is to hand down um you know wisdom to the next generation not that uh, that comes from me but it comes from this dialogue that we have mm-hmm. you know um you know i was actually at uh at church a couple weeks back and and this priest who was actually in his 60s he actually said something about uh he called the topic uh, something about influencers. I can't remember really, but um, it's interesting that this 60-year-old man was mentioning this word that is kind of culturally now a thing, right? These influencers. But what he was saying was that influencers have always existed, mm-hmm. you know, throughout time. But the the real influencers, the first influencers of any of us are our parents, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So a lot of us see uh, our, our first relationship in our parents. So... Uh, was there love in the home? Was there not? You know, was there communication in the home? Was there not? Um, did our parents show us love? Did they show us, teach us how to give love, you know? And all of that really affects the way we engage going forward in relationship, right? Um, yep. I, <clears throat> I mean, uh, as, in self-disclosure, my parents divorced at 16. It was it was rough for me to kind of be the oldest and kind of shoulder, you know, that support towards my mother who was really suffering. And then, 
later on come to find out that my father was always also suffering and having to kind of um, help him process also what was going on. But for me, what that led to was I don't want that to happen in my family. Definitely. I, if I'm going to get married, it's going to be for good. Um, and uh, But when I got married, uh, you know, you and I have talked about this, but my wife and I were unable to consummate our marriage. And if you don't know what consummate means, look it up on Google. <laughs> yep, um, not going to cover that. <laughs> we're not going to cover that right now. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I wanted out at a certain point in time. You know, it wasn't until my wife and I went to a retreat called Retrovi, which was really like a retreat where you go with other couples and all. And, and it's kind of like uh, the idea is if you're about to get a divorce, go to this retreat first. And so with this retreat, we actually learned that we forgot how to communicate or mm. that we never really communicated. We were just living with each other uh, versus before we got married. It was just very lovey-dovey, right? Yeah. And that's how relationships work in the beginning. Because if you don't have that lovey-doveyness, like why would you even continue to be around that person, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for you, I mean, you're a good-looking guy, very, very talented. You know, um, why did you decide to get locked down? I don't know. <laughs> uh i don't know um you know that's never really like i don't think it's really ever a conscious decision i it wasn't like you know oh this is this is it actually i think i'm lying to myself i think initially i felt like it wasn't a conscious decision i made it was just more of like a thing that happened and you kind of grow into it naturally after just kind of spending time with a person and then wanting to spend more time with them that's mostly true, but I think at that point, there was a little bit of, like, not love at first sight, but that's still kind of, like, feeling like, this is the person. Like, I, I've got to stay here because this is the person for me. I want to keep hanging out with them. I want to see them tomorrow. I want to see them the day after. It's just that there really was that, like, that big spark. So, yeah, and then it just kind of builds from there. I still don't think it's it's really like a conscious thing. I think that was layers down where mm -hmm. like my inner kid, my inner heart was like this person, this person, this person. But on the surface, it's just like, this is cool because <laughs> I'm just like chill about everything. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to see you again. She's all right. She's all right. I like her. And then oh. months later, it's like, yeah, yeah, this is, I could keep doing this with, with, some, with some tweaking. You have been in other relationships before. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this two-year one is not my longest. I had sort of accidentally become a serial monogamous. <laughs> I think one or two of them were like at five to six years, and then some ones before that were definitely like three to four. And so I, early on, I had kept committing with the hopes of growing into all the stuff that I wanted, like marriage and family and kids and like all that stuff. I just assumed it would just happen. I don't even know if I was really putting in the appropriate amount of work for it, but then it wasn't happening. And I was like, oh, whatever, I'm young. And then it wasn't happening. I was like, okay, well, I learned from that one. And then like, then all of a sudden I'm in my thirties and I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe this is never going to happen. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely, there's been a few. You know, uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, we talked a little bit before about my friends, uh, Shereen Raymond. They did not get married until their forties, the both of them. They had never been in a yeah. relationship like that. So really the timeline is kind of uh, irrelevant, you know, and I know I remember being in my teens, like, I'm going to be single forever. I'm so lonely. You <laughs> because know? we're dramatic. Because we're dramatic and super, super emo. <laughs> Dashboard yeah. confessional all day, mm -hmm. every day, yep. you know. Um, and it's funny, like, it's interesting that you have that internal desire because I've talked to guys my age, you know, 
some of them, I've talked to guys. I'm like, yo, stop sending me pictures of these girls. You know, like, I don't need that. Like, if that's, you yeah. know, like, oh, she's so, uh, I was like, you know, don't send me these things, you know. But, uh, you know, some guys, it's just they're chasing after tail, you know, essentially. And, and it's like, you know, it makes me think, like, what, did, what do they really want? You know, is are they ever going to come to a space where they're saying to themselves, you know what, this is the one. Right. You know, and it's hard with hookup culture, right? Um, you know, I talked with my uh, good good friend and goddaughter, Mindy. Uh, she is uh, just a really good person, and she recently, um, I think on, on her th- around 30 or so, she um, was, uh, she became a Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I talk to her all the time. It's weird having an, an adult um, godchild, you know, because when you're, yeah. uh, when, when you're a godchild. <laughs> because dad is not a child anymore. Yeah. Like when you're a godchild, when you're a godfather to a child, you just send a gift. You know, I joke around like with my friends. I'm like, "Hey, uh, make me a godfather to your children. I'll set them up a 529c for college." You know, <laughs> that's like my thing. Um, but uh, you know, talking with her, you know, I, you know, we're we're talking about relationships all the time. You know, so one thing that you know I, I talk about with relationships is that you know if you're uh, having physical, well, if you're having physical contact with someone, it really does kind of color the picture of how much you are uh you, you're in love with that person right so for example as a as a man now who's had three children with his wife every child that we've had the first thing they do with the baby is they put the baby on the mother's chest mm-hmm. right and the reason why they do that is it's to create bonding that bonding happens on like a neurochemical level yep. so it releases something called oxytocin and it makes the mother and the baby feel closer together now what they also do is they have the father take off his shirt so uh i would have to do that not in the best of shape at the time because I was stress eating from Arlene being pregnant. <laughs> but uh, they would put the baby on my chest too to release oxytocin because if you think about it, that baby was not in my belly. So I don't have that bond, right. you know? Now, if you're having intercourse with someone, like how much oxytocin do you think is being released, right? And it's a shame because, you know, I feel for um, women out there or anyone in a relationship who, you know, someone who's not invested really in having an actual relationship just kind of, Hits and runs, you know, um, because then sometimes you know, that per- other person develops feelings, rightfully so, because that person demonstrated to them, at least in their eyes, uh, and even neurochemically, that there is a connection, but there may not be. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, yeah, there's, and this is where I guess we get into, like, the communication of it, because there's nothing wrong with that if you are, if you and the other party are in on, in the same understanding of what you're about to do yeah like somebody pretending to be interested in somebody just to get it to that point and then bailing out that there's there's not a clear understanding there and i mean it's kind of hard to set that up because you don't want to go all in with like so here's how tonight's gonna go (laughs) and uh i never want to see you again Uh, and i want uh uh, i want to get married in five years and have seven and a half children and live in the suburb you know you don't go into things doing that you know but um yeah, so I hear you. You know, people have kind of different expectations going in, um, but you're very different in that. That way, you 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 categorize yourself as a serial monogamist. So it's why- a thing I've heard, and it, it felt it feels like the right description, but it it still isn't a thing that you. It's not a thing that I did intentionally, but it's you know I would engage in something and I would stay in it for the most part with the intention of seeing it through. But all these kinds of things like you start to kind of backtrack from like what forever means because you don't really think about the definition or what that really entails. So I would just kind of just do the thing 
assuming that if everything was fine, it would work out and it would just kind of naturally bloom into the thing I wanted. It would become forever or something like that. Mm. And then for just all the various reasons that life throws at you, none of those things did. And it it kind of maybe just took too long to figure out for one reason or another, but it'd be like, okay, well, I guess it's it sucks, but this one isn't working. And then I would try again and with sincere effort, but sometimes it just really takes a long time to get to know somebody, to get to know a situation. And then sometimes nothing outside forces may kind of throw a brick wall, you know, in your road and then you just kind of derail from there. But mm. it, you know, it, again, it wasn't really a thing I ever had planned, but it had seemed to become a trend and for better or worse, I'm just kind of learning as I go and doing it again now for a year or two. And I, Hope this doesn't become one of those things, but life is just weird, you know. No, I, I hear you. I, I mean, it sounds like you made valiant efforts to be in a relationship once you were in it, you know. And uh, yeah, I totally hear you because I mean, I've, I myself have been in uh, two quasi serious relationships before, um, before getting married myself. It for me, I, it it helps for the symmetry of the story um, that I had three people who I was more intimately related to, you know. Mm. Um, so I always uh, tell this story about how it really helps confirm and affirm me in my relationship. I say that it's kind of a little bit like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, right? So, you know, I was in one relationship where um, it seemed more like the other party was uh, more interested in me than I was in them. Mm-hmm. And then in my second relationship, it was vice versa. Yeah. And I can see how both of those situations was not good for me, yeah. you know, at all. And and those were very prolonged, and it was very difficult to get out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife, Arlene, was just right, right? Just like the bed was just right. The the, the porridge was just right <laughs> yeah. for me, you know? And so it, I don't think it's, I mean, some people, you know, I told you about this uh, one person I know who uh, has been in a relationship for 12 years, and they met when they were 13, mm-hmm. You know, and they're still together. They have kids, not married right now, but, you know, they're still together, which is insane to me because my longest relationship, uh, like, but in high school was like two, three weeks, you know? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. You know? Um, but what do you think drives you? Like, you, you had mentioned that um, you have this idea of, like, uh, marriage and kids. Like, where do you think that comes from for you? Um, that's definitely one of those things that, like, you, I think you, maybe just depending on what your household looks like and what your upbringings are, you kind of just assimilate that automatically as you're growing up. You're like, this is how I came up. This is, this appears to be the formula. And I think this is sort of what's expected of me. And it's okay. Cause I'm kind of into it. Like, it seems nice. My parents love each other. I, you know, I love my siblings. We family drama aside, like this is a family. Mm. I think I'd like this one day. Sure. Like I'm okay to try to line myself up with like that process. Um, but that, that's, that always started really young. Like I just assumed that that was a thing that I was supposed to do. I think I maybe even assumed that I wanted to do it. And it, if you don't really have enough things challenging that thought process, it's just a thing you kind of just keep chasing. Yeah. Like 15, 16, 17, I'm like just thinking about like who the one is and falling in love with every person I meet for, five seconds who smiles at me right. and just like very easy when you're emo yeah <laughs> starting to get out of that the the juvenile portion of that and like my early 20s learning more about myself and other people in the world progressing a little bit more progressing a little bit more and now 
ironically now it's it's a thing that I was maybe worried wasn't going to happen at this point but I'm also kind of okay with it because now I just have other ambitions that I didn't really have before mm -hmm. so I'm like well I still want this stuff I do still want all that stuff but at this point it's not it hasn't become my goal anymore and the more things I just want to do in the world the more things I want to do creatively the more places I want to see that I just didn't even know I wanted to see like it's still on the list but it's no longer a priority mm -hmm. um, and I'm dating somebody younger so I know that that's something that they may want eventually but it's not a priority for them right now so this is where like being in a relationship you have to consider the other person it's not just about what you want yeah so like as much as we love each other I could have been the kind of person that's like, well, if you don't want kids, then why are we doing this? And I could have yeah. just left early on, but yeah. I'm willing to see where it goes beyond that because now things are changing. Like you get older and hopefully your ideas change and your goals change and your desires change a little bit. Yeah. So I'm hoping we, we maybe kind of meet in the middle. I'm shifting out to give myself more time to explore and grow. She's still exploring and growing. So like not wanting that right now, totally fine okay. i'm like really okay with it yeah i still want it out there but like it's not like i've got to do this i don't want to die alone i want kids I have, like all <laughs> I these other questions <laughs> right now i'm just like no nah, i want to i really want to do this hike i really want to go see this park i really want to finish this project you really like, want to live essentially yeah and i and i didn't i didn't have any of those goals before really like in my 20s the biggest thing was probably playing in a band, which is just yeah. like, that's everybody's thing when they're that young. Yeah. But I didn't have anything else. Yeah. Like, And now there's so much more that I'm like, I could see we're not having a kid is, a real, is kind of a blessing right now and yeah. not having all these other responsibilities. So in due time, yeah. like no rush. Um, but yeah. But yeah, no, that's, I think that's a really good jump off in terms of like kind of deciphering whether something that we're in a relationship they're in is a relationship or a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you have like certain ambitions and that person is not about that life, I mean, right from the get go, you're going to have a problem. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit before the recording about how like even ideologies, people going into a relationship with two entirely different ideologies yeah. um, who are attracted to each other. They find some traits with, uh, that they enjoy in one another. But if they think so differently about a certain topic that it causes them a lot of strife and a lot of unnecessary uh, pain. You know, is that something to engage in further? You know, and so, like, I have a very good friend. I'm going to keep him anonymous because it is, I'm sure it's a little bit of a uh, sore spot still. But, like, him and, and, the, and his partner at the time, you know, like, he wanted a child. She did not. But they still remained in relationship, kind of both hoping that it would eventually work itself out, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it worked itself out in that they eventually you bought know, a dog. They, <laughs> actually, you're 100 percent correct. Um, but uh, then they're like, "I like this. Maybe yeah. we can make one." But uh, I mean, it eventually turned out that my very good friend—I call him my bestie—you uh, know—he really has that internal drive to have a child. You know, and so part of that is just being a human. Like it's part yeah. of the DNA. Like yeah. that's why humans still exist because there's this internal drive in, in men to want to create. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and in women too. And I in mean, women too, it's, absolutely. It's by design. You're supposed to want to do that on some degree, even if it's not conscious. Like your body, that's what a large portion of your body is designed to do. Yeah. Um, I'm having like a lot of ideas going back to like hookup culture that I feel like I wanted to talk yeah, about and then go. I forgot. Oh no. No, I'm I'm remembering now, and okay. it's it's just I'll try to condense the point so we can kind of keep moving forward. But 
the interesting thing about what I think hookup culture is a part of that I think that term just kind of scratches the surface of this concept, but it's I think it has a lot more to do with that the shift in generational thinking about what people want to do. Kind of like what I was just talking about with my life. Like I discovered this stuff a lot later, but I have all these other passions now and ambitions. Prior to that, like older generations growing up, getting a job, getting married, having kids and dying was all you did Mm -hmm. for so much of like this country's history and most countries' histories. Like there was no, there was no like follow your passion. Like if you didn't get a job that made money and provided for a family and had a family, you were kind of like seen as just like worthless or everybody had like a, a weird raised eyebrow. There wasn't even room to cultivate creative thought and like other desires except for that like it was just those were almost the rules mm-hmm. of life still and then, for some cultures right yeah but now we're getting into like our generation and even the ones after us like there's a big shift where like the younger people as they're starting to grow up and become young adults right off the bat they're like i i want to be an artist i want to be a serious musician i want to do all this other stuff i want for me yeah. I don't want for reproduction. I don't want for all these other things that just kind of streamline into into just letting all that other stuff go, into letting other experiences go. Like now, younger people just want to try and fail more things. And it's to the, their parents have sort of kind of helped with that because a lot of people like, because of that train of thought, a lot of people don't get jobs that pay a lot and they end up living at home for a lot longer. And yeah. They end up wanting to steer clear of relationships and falling into that pitfall because they want to be free and experience the world beyond like a household. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think that's where hookup culture is like a fraction of that concept. It's just like we, now we just, we want to experience the world before we commit to just kind of streamlining that process. Yeah, It's like, I'm not ready to be somebody's parent because I haven't lived yet. And people are getting that concept so much younger yeah like now where we knew younger that maybe we wanted to be with somebody forever and have that like younger and younger kids are like i want to see the world i don't want kids i don't want to get married and that that idea is like swelling and i think that's great i just think you you have to be careful with that like we said you know you don't want to like step on other people hurt other people's feelings but like I, I don't really know what, like, the larger point of where I was going with that is, but I think that's important to think about. Like, everybody's mind is, is shifting now, and yeah. it's going to keep going in that direction, I think, for a while. I think also that that probably uh, has shifted, too, in terms of family. Like, who wants to get married when a divorce rate is that too more than 50%? Yeah. You know what? Kids, kids uh, are a lot smarter now, and they look into statistics like that, and they're yeah. like, oh, this, is this what the outcome will eventually be anyway? Why would I do yeah. that? You know what, though? I will give you a statistic that's insane. 100% of people who are married and enjoy their marriage stay married. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's, it's wild. That, that statistic 100% of, of people. people who are married and enjoy their marriage and love their, their spouse stay married. Like, no one gets divorced when they're happy in their marriage. Like, that would be a terrible thing to happen. You know, and I think those you could write that statistic about anything. No. That's like a hundred percent of people who like living and keep eating food don't die. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know, but that that is such a grim thing. You know, um, 
and just being on the other side of it now, you know, I find that myself, I'm like, you and I both, really, even though you're 36 or 35, whatever you decided, you were actually. You guys tell us, yeah, I don't know. We're kind of like caught right in between two generations, you know, the generations of the people who stuck together and greeted out, even though they were miserable. And then mm-hmm. now in this generation, you know, we're a fraction of the thinking, you know, or, or the um, the culture is like hookup culture, right? So yeah. we're kind of like right in between. So we're kind of like old dogs, uh, to, you know, to the youth. And then kind of like, you know, kids, you know, to these adults who have gritted out, you know. And so for me, like, wow. you know. Yeah. Generation that doesn't belong. Yeah. It doesn't get more right emo than that. It doesn't. It really, we should write a song about that, actually. I think we will. And, uh, you know, now for me, like, it's interesting. I didn't really give much thought to what I wanted to do with my life. Like, my yeah. goal was I wanted a wife and kids in the house. And I was really specific with the house. Like, I had to have a second floor. So I had to walk up to my bedroom. I don't know why I always wanted that. <laughs> that this is what uh, accomplishment looks like. Yeah. This is how I made it. Yeah. So, um, you know, and I can see myself on the other side, you know. Well, really what I wanted to do was I really wanted to play music for a living. Or, and if I couldn't play music, be in the music world. Um, but that didn't happen. I had a mother, Filipino mother. And uh, if you don't know this, if you're Filipino, <laughs> even 10%, like you're destined to be a nurse. You can't. You have no say. Um, and so I did that, but the first thing I did with my few paychecks was to purchase a lot of music equipment, some of which we're using right now to podcast. So I definitely <laughs> have way more stuff than I need to do a podcast. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's interesting that now I'm 38, like I'm doing my passion now. And, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, younger people kind of, you know, taking out the student loans to do something more creative and living with the parents, like you now it's like they're struggling money wise, you know, and, um, they're struggling money wise, but generally Feeling more fulfilled, yeah, or at least more heard, you yeah. know, because older generations didn't even have those opportunities to try and do other stuff. Right, it's like, I mean, this is super general, like template matching, but like, you're a farmer, you know, right. going, going like back to way back in the day. It's like yeah. you're just gonna work every day, and you're gonna go to sleep, and then you're gonna you know you're gonna eat, you're gonna go to sleep, you're gonna get up, you're gonna work. That was it. It was just like work, live, eat, family, and then now there's just so much other stuff. It really is. I mean, so I think how it relates to relationship is like you need to have someone by your side who's going to support you in whatever that that you know passion is or that drive is you know so how do we identify you know if this person's really going to be supporting us in the long haul you know so even like our uh political influences our religious influences if there's any that really can make a shift you know and at first when you first meet when it's like love at first sight per se Mm -hmm. You don't get that information up front, no, you know. No. And someone can still, you know, identify with a certain persuasion politically, religiously, or even ide- ideology-wise, um, and uh, and it's not like it doesn't fit in the box, you yep. know. So you have to learn the intricacies of uh, intricacies of that person, you know. So, um, where do you think you are in that? <laughs> that was a lot. Uh... Like, how do you think you in your relationship? that you align with each other in, um, in your ideologies, right? And just to, as a background, like my parents, my father was Muslim, my dad was Catholic, uh, my father, my father, my dad, my mother mm-hmm. was Catholic and my father is Muslim, right? But my dad kind of a nominal Muslim, like not, not really engaging, you know, in the five days, five prayer a day sort of thing, mosque, like he wasn't that kind of Muslim, but still identifies with that. And my mom Catholic, you know, going to church every Sunday, but nothing hardcore, you know, um, but I can see how that was a big shift. Like when I was born, uh, my mother persuaded my dad that I can be baptized, you know. But then the day I was born, my, my father said, absolutely not. So my mother snuck me to a church to get me <laughs> baptized, right? So that's problem number one. Right. You know, so even having that um, religious difference can be tough. Like, 
Yeah, um, we definitely have that. We, yeah, she's she's you know she's Christian, hundred uh, percent. I am. I don't even know really what I am. I'm. I would say I'm non-religious. I. I think. Uh, oh man, what's this comedian's name? Ricky Gervais has been like my favorite dude to listen to, and I think he's he's spoken it as an agnostic atheist or something. And if I had to choose a title. Just look up anything that Ricky Gervais says about being uh, an atheist or being agnostic, and all his points are my points, and I align with them, but I still don't know. I'm still kind of like discovering. I like to take everybody's backgrounds into account. I think religion is interesting. It just it gets far too complicated for me to decide on being something when, when you consider what everybody does across the world. I'm just like, how do you pick one? Yeah. So I, and I wasn't raised religious. I think both my parents, I think, were raised Catholic. But I think once they got out of school, I don't really know when that shift happened. But they don't, they never really spoke about that stuff growing up. My dad is a really heavy reader. I'm like, he reads all the time. He can finish a really thick book in probably less than a week. Like, wow. And he just assimilates and just tosses it aside and he's just like a wealth of knowledge and i think because of that there's just so much culture in our house like there's there's things from all kinds of books and and artifacts and stuff from like africa and religions there yoruba um there's stuff from chinese culture there's stuff from japanese culture there's stuff from india like there's just so much culture in my house but at the same time my parents never forced anything on me so it's just like I was just in a house with all this stuff, and my parents were crazy little wizards, and they <laughs> didn't, and they didn't care what I did. They were just like, "All this stuff is here. If you have questions, like let us know." But it was just so much that I was like, "Well, this isn't any one thing, so I don't need any one thing." Yeah, it's just like whatever comes my way. So that was a long-winded thing about me, but she, for the most part, was raised pretty straightforward Christian and is pretty devout, and so is her family. Um, and so already off the bat, that I thought that was actually going to be more of a point of contention than it turned out being. Like mm-hmm. I, I think I even told her at some point last year that I was worried that that would be a thing that like broke us up, <laughs> and she was just like, "No, no it's fine." <laughs> I was like, "She's like, yeah, I kind of already knew that you were like somewhere out there and in <laughs> like somewhere out there in like not Christian land." And I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, if you're cool with that, then I guess I feel a lot better." But. Politically, we're very different, and I think in in maybe too many ways, we are very, very different, but sometimes it's all of that just goes out the window when we just, like, hang out, yeah. and I really enjoy just, like, talking to her about her day, about work. I like finding reasons to, like, make her laugh, and that's, like, one of my just favorite things is just to feel like I can cut through all that stuff. Like, I respect it all. Like, even her career and all her stuff is so different from anything that I know, and I still don't understand it. I try, I ask questions, I collect, I engage with her, I follow up with her about stuff, but at the end of the day, it's just, like, I'm the one who can cut through all that and just, like, make her laugh and, like, forget it all and just come down to, like, a really chill, comfortable level, and that ends up being enough for now. So I don't know if that answered your question. No, no, but. totally. No, it's interesting. You know, just to go back to the whole religious sense, you know, in uh, in psychiatry, psychology, um, there's a little bit of a thing where you have a therapist and they say the the model in which I treat is cognitive behavioral therapy, or the model in which I treat is 
internal family systems. These are just different therapies. There are a million therapies out there, and so therapists will typically specialize. Mm. But for most therapists, they'll say that I'm eclectic, meaning they pull from <laughs> different yeah. therapies. Yeah. So I would classify you as eclectically good, you know? <laughs> just good. Just eclectic, you know, eclectic, meaning that there are so many different things that you pull from, which is great, you know? Uh, and. You know, I, I think in terms of just like the religion thing, I mean, some people, they require like, uh, you know, a, a framework to look at life, you know, but some people, they have such a broad framework because of this eclectic uh, culture that your parents brought you in. You can still be a universally good person. And I've, on, I've only seen that. And I only mess with good people. Yeah. Like, you know, so so uh, you got my rubber stamp, you know. I don't know how much that means to anybody. Um, but for me, it means a lot, you know, to be able to, you know, say that you're my friend, you yeah. know. Totally. So, you know, in relationships, it can be really tough when there's like uh, when it comes to a head. Right. One way it can come to a head is, uh, again, like, uh, how do you want to raise your children? Because like, that's going to have to be a discussion one day. Mm -hmm. You know, um, how do you think you would feel like if one day, you know, you had a kid and she says, I want to do this. I want I mean, we could make it more basic. I want him to learn karate, <laughs> you know, and you're like, no, screw karate. I know capoeira. He needs to learn capoeira. Like, how are you going to react to that situation? <laughs> Well, that's a little tough because I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to word this. I'm going to pivot a little bit and come, and come back to yeah, this answer because my brain is going back to something that I was laughing at while I was bored at work one day. I started looking up like, I think it's like uh, like D&D &D character <laughs> archetypes because yeah. there's only a few and most most people fit into one, but like the characters you play fit into one. I don't play D&D. &D. I kind of really want to, but I'm afraid. <laughs> But for those who do play, know what I'm talking about. And I think when I was looking up, like, my personality it, itself just as, like, a human being outside of the game, I think I'm, I qualify as, like, chaotic neutral, <laughs> which is just, it's hard to explain, but, like, I don't force myself in any one direction, and I tend to just do what's good in the moment, but I don't have any, like, hardcore, like, even being extremely good. Like, I'm not, there's a term, like, lawful good. Yeah, where like you're you're really about it, and then there's like chaotic or lawful evil. There's like all these extremes, and I think I'm like chaotic neutral, where it's just like I'm just kind of like there. Yeah. Like I'll I'll take everything in when it happens and make a judgment call in that moment. But I don't have any preconceived notions of like these things need to happen in my future. Maybe a little bit more in mine, but definitely when it comes to having a kid, it's just like is this kid old enough to think about what they want to do like i'm totally cool if they just want to try stuff i don't really want to like make them do anything but i do want them to have experiences so yeah. like i guess if if you know my person felt really strong about that i would consider it you know being that i don't feel as strongly about it i can't i'm not really going to say no but i'm probably going to have just more serious conversations about like why mm. like what is this drive because I kind of hope my mom never hears this because I don't want her to. I don't want her to think I feel a way about it. But my mom was a gymnast. Really, I didn't know that. She was. She was a gymnast and she was good. Um, and then she had my sister, and my sister kind of went to did ballet for a little bit, which is like most little girls will do ballet now, little boys too. But like, every, it's it's just a thing that kind of happens for a little bit. Kids try it. But then she kind of like went the gymnastics route. And I, I'm not saying that she forced it on her, but I never really knew if my sister really wanted to do it or if my mom kind of was like, oh, I have a little girl. Yeah. Here's my second chance. Yeah. 
And then my sister grew up and kind of fell out of it. And then my sister had a kid. And then the same thing kind of happened with my niece. Really? Ballet too? And I'm like, well, which one of you are like now pushing this on my niece? Like, is it my mom who just really never got to like finish seeing it through? Who then didn't get to see her daughter see it through? And now the two of them, because they kind of fell out of it, now want this other little girl to see it through? Like, I don't know how much kids know what they want versus what their parents make them do. So I don't I don't want to be that. Yeah. But if I could get the sense that like, no, this kid's like, no, I want to go back tomorrow. Then I'm like, we're going back tomorrow. Yeah. You know, but anyway, that's a really long winded way of saying that, like, I don't really care. And I'm kind of just going to wait for those moments. Yeah. Kind of maybe going to get a sense for what this little person wants, if they can even articulate it. And I will just want to have a conversation, you yeah. know, if. If my person's like, I really want them to do this. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, tell me why. Yeah. And then maybe I'll agree with you. You know, that's really interesting. Uh, um, in full disclosure, Aremo and I started to record, and we were like 15 minutes into a very awesome start of a podcast. Oh, and, and a lot of this stuff. We uh, solved world peace, yeah, and I then know, it just, missed it. we lost that recording. We actually realized the purpose of life and where we go after we die. And yeah. uh, now, now we don't know it anymore. Now it's You'll just, never know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but if Actually, you, that's that's uh, that's a lie. That's extra content for, uh, for Patreon. For Patreon. <laughs> yeah. If you want to know the meaning of life, Patreon. Sign up to Patreon. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, um, so I was mentioning to you how I, I was at Mass a couple of weeks back, and this priest, who was actually in his 60s or so, was talking about um, the concept of in- influencers. Mm-hmm. And I was completely shocked that this 60-year-old man, you know, kind of was in tune with the culture, you know, because there are all these kind of nuances, right, and new, new words, new terms that we're using for things that have already existed. So what he was saying was that um, the first influencers in our life are our parents, mm-hmm. right? And uh, did you see the the documentary, The Social Dilemma? I don't think so. It's really interesting, it, and it really shows how social media is influencing our our wants and our quote unquote needs. Yep. Right. So again, being on the other side, um, so you're like stage one, I'm stage two, right? Or, well, maybe stage three because I got the kids, you know. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, fair. But um, you know, I totally see that my what I do influences my kids, no matter what it is, you know. So if I yell they catch on. If oh, I'm yeah. happy, they catch on. Yeah. Um, you know, it was funny. I was uh, working out in my basement and, and my daughter, my four-year-old, we had this like play barbell set. So she puts it on her back. She came downstairs, put the <laughs> barbell on her back while I was working out, starts doing squats, slams the bell, barbell down, and then starts doing burpees, jumping over the bar and doing burpees because she's seen me do it. See, so, this is the kind of stuff, man. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> this this I do want. Yeah, I do want this Yeah, it, it, and it's a beautiful thing. But what I realize is... Um, we need to influence our kids. Yeah. I, at least that's the way. I, I don't want to force that upon anybody. But, yeah. But no, I like, can see that. Yeah, because I mean, if um, like, but see, that's that's interesting because that's. I think that's really beautiful because I think that's kind of like the perfect storm of influence without being forceful about it, yes. and and then letting them explore. Absolutely. Because it can change. Absolutely. It can totally change. But kids are going to want to try everything. Yes. And I think like that, like, I think it's really cool. I've definitely daydreamed about like, first of all, me getting a lot better about capoeira and (laughs) feeling like I'm really doing this. And then one day like practicing and like my kids are old enough to start being curious about it and just start mimicking me. Yeah. I don't want to be the parent that's like, I'm taking you and I'm throwing you in this thing. But like, if that kind of thing happens, I'm going to feel so happy. Yeah. And if they feel like they don't want to do it anymore after a while, but or or maybe they grab that spark and they're like, I kind of like this, but it's kind of lame. 
<laughs> maybe I want to do kickboxing or something else instead, or maybe I don't want to do a sport. Maybe I'm more into books. It's just like just throwing stuff out there and letting them explore. I think yeah. is way more important than like pushing them into something. Yeah, it's I just agree. Just like here's here's some things I can show you. Almost like toys, like yeah. you know, you just you kind of just let them do things and figure stuff out. That you yeah. let them build things and let it fall over. You let them get disinterested with one thing and bring them something else. Like it's like a natural progression that I think I that's the kind of approach I would love to have. Yeah, um, I mean, you do see all these like kind of. Uh, there was this. Um, it's sort of like a docu series on Netflix called Losers, and and one was about this boxer who was like really really good, uh, but never made it to the top. Mm. And uh, he talked about how his father like forced him into boxing and just like beat the crap out of him, and that anger propelled him to greatness, just shy of being a winner. But yeah, you can see how also that you know you can overstep and become that yeah. right. Yeah. But I think um, one thing with relationships as you can see you know um one thing uh, there's a speaker who I, I really admire and has really been inspiring to me les brown he says uh if you want to um uh if you want to know if uh something is good or bad uh, you got to look at the tree and see the fruit that it bears right don't judge the tree by by uh, the fruit that it talks about but by the fruit that it bears right so okay. and, and in a relationship you know, you get to see the fruit that it bears. So for me, in my relationship, now married 13 years, going in, in February, I can see the fruit of my relationship. The You know, my kids are the literal fruit yeah. <laughs> of, of our marriage, yeah. right? And so I can see that their joy, their peace, but I can also see when my wife and I are not in a good space that they are not in a good space, you know? Yeah. So I have to do a lot of this um, like kind of recovery. So, you know, last year I had a really bad year. And uh, you probably, if you've listened to the last podcast, you'll have an idea. Um, but there was a lot of chaos in my house, you know, mostly caused by where I was at. And so like, I've been having to do like some recovery with that. But then I can see that my kids do respond to that. Now they just glom onto me like, uh, like fruit, fruit to a tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> quite literally, just to extend that thing more. But, yeah. but you and I, when we've had these conversations, you know, over the phone, over the past uh, one and a half, two months, uh, I, I told you that kind of parable about this, uh, this tree, right, where this where this uh, guy goes to this big tree, and uh, he's like, "Oh, it's not producing fruit. Yeah, that's I'm gonna cut it. I'm gonna from. I'm gonna cut it down." Mm-hmm. And then somebody comes and says, "You know what? Uh, you know, dig it up, add some mulch, give it a year. Let's see. Yeah. Let's see if this tree actually produces fruit. And if it doesn't produce fruit after a year, we'll cut it down because it's just a waste. It's just soak. It's just taking the nutrients from the ground, right? The nutrients from the ground in this case would be us, you mm-hmm. know, in our relationships, you know. Um, so." F- we can really tell, you know, in that case, again, to bring the topic of relationship or relationship, you know, is this uh, relationship taking the life out of me? Is it, is it giving me any joy? Is it giving me peace? You know, what are the, what are the fruits of this relationship, right? Um, so we had that conversation. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, which time? Like, oh, I don't know. You, well, you had mentioned to me that just recently, I think I might have told you that a while back, and we kind of, Oh yeah, okay. We were talking about like literally just before this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you had told that story, and then you kind of told me how how you actually used that. Well, you told me how you actually used that story for a lot of different things, not yeah. just relationships. Not stuff, just relationships, but your, like my job. Your <laughs> my, my my type of workouts that I would do. Yeah. You know, everything. Yeah. This is a this is where I I admire your um, at work. They call this like a drive for results because you 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 want something to turn out a certain way and you actually like do all these steps to make it get there. And I'm not always so dedicated or even so like, I don't know. I think I'm kind of lazy sometimes and just sloppy. I, I want things to get there, but 
I'm not always willing to apply specific measures. I'm like willing to work hard, but I'm kind of willing to also just let it happen naturally, which is my way of saying I'm lazy. But, <laughs> but you, you told me about that and you told me how you applied it and how you apply it to lots of different things. And I thought that was really cool. But we talk about lots of different stuff and exchange like all kinds of ideas over like various conversations. And this happened like way back last year when we kind of first started our, our regular phone calls. And I forgot about it, put it out of my head, totally forgot about it. Um, but in like thinking about relationship stuff that's happening right now, um, that's kind of always been happening. Like you always have like some struggles, some pitfalls and, and, uh, were you the one that also brought up like hills and valleys or something yeah, like that? Yeah. Yeah. And just, sure. and just thinking about stuff like that, that, that happens and like struggles and where I want it to go like echoes of that concept came back to me recently, like in the last couple of days or weeks where I was just like, well, maybe I need to start applying that to us more. And like, even if they're just general, just setting a little bit more loose goals, some, but some timelines so that way I can like follow up with myself, follow up with us, check in, check on progress, like all this stuff. And then, so yeah, yeah, that, that came back in my mind and you bought it up like, way early last year so it definitely stuck out to me you know what's interesting is uh i think probably even before i mentioned that to you years back when i was uh in nursing school the uh, big big push was you have to be able to assess your interventions <laughs> right like so let's just say a patient had a wound and you had these certain interventions that needed to be done you'd have to measure that wound regularly and if that wound didn't start to close up you need to change interventions. You're not doing the right thing mm. or you need to do something more frequently. So you have to be able to assess, you know, so same thing with relationships. I think um, it's super important to assess. Now we're a little bit different in the sense that, you know, my wife and I were committed, you know, in marriage and then, you know, in, in our faith, it's important that we stay together. It's, and it's a, it's a must. There's no, there's yeah. no if and or buts about it. Um, and that doesn't, that makes it, and I feel weird saying that because I think it sounds like a death sentence to some people, yeah. you know, where it sounds like we're forced to be in something. But, you know, there are certain cultures, like in Indian culture, you get matched up with a complete, utter stranger, yeah. and you're married for a lifetime, and you have children, and there's no batting of an eye with that, which is interesting. Matter of fact, I had one patient, he was uh, in his 30s on the autism spectrum scale, and he was his IQ was very low, so he was pretty much like a ward to his wife. Mm. His, his wife uh, was matched with him, his wife was a nurse, and she cared for him, like they're there was no reason to, for her to do that, but that's part of their culture, and they stayed married, you know. So, um, you know, even in my marriage now, my assessment isn't, you know, am I going to stay in this or not? My assessment is, oh, things are going wrong. Um, we're not having enough peace, joy, love in the house. There's chaos. What do we need to do, yeah. you know? So, I mean, one thing we started doing um, uh, late last year was going to therapy as a couple, and also individually. And it has changed the game, like, yeah. entirely. Like, it's funny because now my wife and I were walking around our house because, you know, now I'm working from home. So every so often she'll check on me. I'll check on her. So it's like the quote is, are you good? You okay? You okay? It's, we say, are you okay? Like, several times a day. Yeah, yeah. Because it's stressful. Like, she's with the three kids. You know, yeah. the one's doing the schooling on Zoom. So that's the assessment. Like, I'm asking, are you okay? What can I do? Uh, one thing I freaking hate doing, I hate washing the damn baby bottles. They're okay. so annoying, and she won't. And my wife is; she's very particular. She won't allow me to put them in the dishwasher. They have to have a certain soap, like Gaga, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I know for her, um, there's a book called uh, the Four 
love uh, the love uh, I think it's the five love languages. Have you heard of it? I've heard of that as a concept. I, I didn't realize there was a book, but yeah. I've seen that like online and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah. So the five love the five love languages. There are different languages that we all respond to um, in some more than others. So for me, like one of my love languages, my main one, two main ones are intimacy and gift receiving. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, and for my wife, you know, it's um, acts of service. Mm. So for me to give her a gift, she's not really gonna. Right. It doesn't fill her cup. Yeah. But for me to wash these damn bottles, like the other week, she's like, oh, thank you so much. I can't stand doing those bottles. I was really hoping you would do that. Yeah. You know, so for her, that filled her cup. You know, um, so that's how you, we kind of assess. But I mean, how do you think you can apply that in in your relationship? Because I think you are kind of in this time of like assessment and and um, kind of deciding if this is something that you want. You know, for the rest of your life, or or even for the rest of this year or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, applying, applying what? <laughs> <laughs> like um, you, you had mentioned like, uh, you know, that, that the idea finally came back to you and, and you started to think about like, maybe I should start to have a timeline. Oh yeah. Things like, like, how do you assess? How do I assess? Um, well, I think, I don't know. We definitely, so now, now our relationship is a long distance one, which is like added some complication, but it's also, it's added some complication, but it's also opened up more avenues of dialogue because now we, I think we talk more often maybe than we would before, like actively talking when she was in the same like neighborhood, we would obviously see each other pretty often, but I think because when you get to see somebody physically, you get like a like a collection of all the things you need. You get to see them physically, you get to talk to them, and then you get to just like hang out with them. And you can do it all pretty seamlessly and get everything you need all in one little lump sum. And then maybe the next day you don't need to because you kind of know they're there. So it's like comfortable. She doesn't always have to come to me. I don't have to come to her. Maybe we don't see each other. Maybe we go to a different neighborhood and see friends and like, I feel like things were a lot more stretched out. Things were a lot more glazed over with like hangout time and like watching movies and stuff. And now I guess where I'm going with that is like now we only have talking really. Um, and we, we set up like Zoom dates and stuff where we still kind of watch movies together. But now we like at the end of her workday, typically hers is a little bit more um, routine. So we like we call and we check in and we have to like talk about the entirety of our days and some, especially when it, is, it hasn't really gone well, a lot more comes up about like how we're feeling about things. And so I think we're kind of on that path now, I think anyway, because I think they, there have been things that maybe we just kind of let stay below the surface that we just didn't address mm -hmm. because we were kind of blinded by just hanging out and feeling good, but not really doing any work. And now it's, it's still not like actively like, okay, we're going to sit down and like, have couple talk, but we're, we're engaging more beyond just like hangout before we hang out. There's just a lot more talking, a lot more information. Honestly, sometimes a lot more fighting because we will bring stuff up that we heard because that's all that's really there. Yeah. Like we're listening to each other talk and, and things just kind of stem from that. So I guess to more clearly answer that, it's just like, I think we're kind of heading in that direction. And I think it's just seeing how much more we can kind of uncover, how much more we can kind of get clarity around. And yeah, just getting closer, even though she's further away, Yeah, which is like the irony of the situation. You yeah, know? well, I mean, they say the absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Yeah. And that, 
you definitely feel that at first, but then it gets to be so much more complicated than that because it's not just about wanting that person around and just missing them. But now we're, I think, for better or worse, we're understanding each other more because we have to talk about more stuff yeah. about our day and understanding how the other person feels about things that are happening in our lives. You know, it's, I don't know. It, it's just, it's different. It's different. But I think keeping that going is definitely a step. And hopefully <laughs> if we don't tear each other apart while that's happening, then expanding on that a little bit more and just, just feeling more comfortable to just like dive into like what's really going on in our heads. Yeah. We're not there yet. We're like not there by a long shot, but um, her kind of moving away from work really opened up some new doors that we haven't really been afraid to walk through. It's yeah. just like, oh, she, she moved away and she kind of had to for work. I knew it was a thing that was happening. This is the thing I already knew about, so I was okay with it. And now we walk through that door together, and it's like, here are the new challenges. Right. Congratulations. <laughs> it gets harder. You're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think about that with you, too, because it's like, you're married. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> it gets harder now. Congratulations. No more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got kids? Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> it's not over yet. Gets harder. Yeah. But, you know, it's an interesting point. I mentioned about how uh, my wife and I are in, are in therapy and how it's been good, and uh, just to say something to repeat, you know, people think about therapy and like, oh my God, they have this scourge, they're psychiatrically crazy, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, no one ever really um, thinks anything when someone goes to get like a, you know, goes to a doctor and gets a blood pressure pill or goes to a, a gym and gets a trainer, but you go to a therapist and you're like, oh my God, they're really losing it, you know? Yeah. But there's so... And there's also like yeah. something left over from the past too. Like that used to be looked down upon and now that's such a like, now it's like, really everybody should be in therapy and yeah. it's kind of like everybody's like oh my therapist is she's so great or they're so great uh so i think we're i think we're coming out of that that feeling i hope so um and now like we had talked in the past about like uh you know do we do couples counseling as as a non-married couple you know what does that look like to be quite honest with you i don't really know anybody um who's in a couple relationship non-married who is in therapy Right. Um, and I think I, I'm just positing here that, you know, if this is someone that, you know, you, you want to make it work with at some point, there may be a time where you just kind of come to a head and like you just can't agree on something. But if you both can agree, you want to work it out. You know, maybe that is the time to do therapy. And now, like with the availability of therapy, like online, I mean, there's yeah. there many, many avenues for that. So it's like, you know, um, do you feel like that's something you would ever pull the trigger on if if, you know, if it, reason if it was reasonable for you? I do. I definitely do. Um, I've been like really struggling with just trying to get it going for myself. So I'm trying to figure out how to make that work with somebody else. Um, yeah, I mean, the short answer. Yeah, totally. 100%. I, I want it. I'm interested in it. I need it. Um, I have a hard time just like doing the actual groundwork to pull the trigger on it. And then that just gets to be one of those adult things. And I'm just like, how do people sift through all the options to like make this happen and I actually dedicated time to it early on in quarantine uh last year and I spent like a whole day or a couple of days because I had nothing else to do just trying to like figure out what my insurance covered and where to find things and then like who was available and I find like it took an entire day and then I finally got to a person who I like wanted to try and I got an email back like the next day and they're like, yeah, I think they'll be able to see you in like six months. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. 
Because I think at that time, I guess with like the influx of like everybody staying at home and needing it more, yeah, there weren't really enough resources schedule wise. So like finding one immediately got really hard to find unless I just wanted to like just shell out money and just find like a third party. But I was trying to do it through my insurance and trying to utilize that stuff and it just got really hard. That's no excuse. I should have kept trying. But I think at that point, it, it just kind of discouraged me. And I was like, this is so hard. Like, yeah. how do people find a therapist? Um, but yeah, I, I do want to try to do that again. Um, you were telling me that, like, you guys, the way your therapist works for you as a couple is that you get separate sessions and sessions together. That's so correct. Yeah. If we get to do that, I think that would be cool because I, I feel like I would get more out of a personal session now because I've never really had therapy. But if that's how it works, like, again, I'm still new to this stuff and I'm not a, I'm not a real adult. So um, <laughs> if that can happen, I think that would be good because I, I need to be able to talk to somebody as just myself first yeah. before I can, like, go into that with somebody else. You know, it's funny you say that you're not a real adult. I think I we had a – there was one time we hung out. I don't know if it was for your birthday. We went to that uh, Mexican restaurant um, in the city mm-hmm. when things were still normal. Mm-hmm. And I told you, like, I was so bewildered that, like, I've, I'm an adult by age, you know? But then, you know, I, I'm at work, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I have three kids at home and a wife and a mortgage. Like, I, I'm, I'm doing all the adulting things. Yeah. But, like, mentally, I don't feel that old. But, like, now I'm the age that my aunts and uncles were yeah. when I was a kid. That blows my mind. I think that's great. I think you should keep feeling like that. <laughs> I, I hope it lasts. I hope it lasts. Because you're, you do... Me different, though. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. you do You do a lot of work to build the life you want. And you have all the, like, quote-unquote adult things. But you don't feel like an adult. You feel young. You feel youthful. You still feel like a kid. You're still owning your responsibilities, and you're still doing everything you're supposed to. You're taking care of another person or another group of people. Like, I think that's ideal. I think it's great that... We're also in this shifting mindset of like keeping ourselves healthy and active and That's doing true. all this other stuff, yeah. which I think adds to that. Yeah. I think adds to you feeling youthful. Yeah. You know, I think I keep saying this, but you've got like the perfect storm of a situation. And I think that's really great. I like, appreciate that. Stay feeling young, but stay <laughs> be old, but feel young. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in terms of the adulting stuff, I think part of part of this podcast, too, I mean, I think the other name could have been called Adulting 101. I would have loved to write a book on that because I feel like when you become an adult, you just kind of get thrown out into the world and no one tells you what, you know, like, I mean, specifically relation-wise, relationship-wise, no one tells you what a good relationship should be. Oh, because nobody knows. Nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows. And then we think that our parents' relationship is like the prototype for relationships. That's like all we have. Yeah. It's either that or television. Or if you come from a big family, I think that can sometimes help because you get to see different kinds. Yeah. Um, and that's like your first community is your family. Yeah. So right. like my first and only community was my immediate family. And even though my mom and dad both have my mom has a brother, but my dad has a, a long family because we're Puerto Rican. Um, so there's a lot of brothers and sisters and then a lot of cousins and a lot of stuff. But at least while I was growing up, nobody really stayed that close. Yeah. So my first community was just my mom and my dad right. and my stepbrother who's like, you know, just, just through marriage, I suddenly had this brother who was older than me and bigger than me and can beat me up <laughs> that I didn't ask military, for. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, where was I going with that? Your first community, uh, the yeah. marriage. And so what, I think, what couples yeah, look like. I think, I think 
it it can be another one of those contributing factors if somebody comes from like a bigger family because then you like you have your parents you have your one of your parents sisters who may or may not be married but then you have their life because they're over a lot you get yeah. to experience what they're doing and then on your other parents side like whatever their siblings lives are like and they all come over and have community and then there's church and then there's job and work and like the more people you have in your circle i think the better for kids to understand what the different ways relationships can work so that way they can kind of like start to forge their own you know, yeah. I, I think you and I, we probably got a lot of our influence from all these 90s TV shows, right? I, we had mentioned our, oh, earlier yeah. on the break in between these, uh, in between that uh, it seems like the social decline in the breakdown of the family coincides with the decrease or the uh, unavailability of these like family sitcoms, like Full House, Family Matters, yeah. uh, uh, Step by Step, you know, like when, you know, you saw families like loving each other, reconciling, you know, you saw them fighting, you know. Um, yeah <laughs> going through tough times you know when when dj was a teenager doing mm-hmm. bad things you know and even just like different family dynamics honestly i'm going to credit jesse here because whether it be through boredom or through interest or a combination of both netflix just showing up in the perfect moment <laughs> being like hey i got this show right um she started watching sister sister again and, oh, I, and sister, I forgot sister, great show. i forgot what the dynamic of those parents were i forgot that they they were separate right and then yeah. they i guess she could explain it better because I haven't been watching it as much as she has. But like through deciding what was best for the kids, they decided to live like to cohabitate. Shoot, I don't remember that as like not a couple. So they're asking each other about like dating advice. And like there's this whole other scenario happening there with like the the parental units who are not estranged. They were just never together. And they just came together for the kids. Like, yeah, we used to watch that show. Remember TJF uh, Friday nights? Yeah. Yeah, and all so, that stuff. So, like, part of this, too, is, like, you know, to kind of talk about these kind of family dynamics in, in a way coming from these, you know, kind of two old dogs, you know, compared to this newer generation to kind of, you know, show that there can be, um, you know, a very uh, positive, joyful, uh, successful relationship, but it does take work. And, you know, um, you know, coming from someone who has kind of crossed the line into marriage and someone who's, you know, crossed the line going into a further relationship, you know, um, to know that it's not like peaches and uh, and cream. Can I say that? Or is that a bad term? Peaches and cream? I don't know. It wasn't, so you or, made me think or, about yeah, it. <laughs> I, I think that's a 112 song, and I think it has sexual connotations. So yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Sunshine and Rainbows is probably better. We're, we're dating ourselves. So <laughs> 112? No, Does anyone you know who that. 112 is? No. <laughs> Cupid? Cupid doesn't lie? No? Cupid. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, we're yeah, we're going to edit this yeah, out. Yeah, but uh, no, I... I um, I think it's so important because, you know, relationships, these relationships are the building blocks uh, of society, right? You know, as, uh, you know, someone was once quoted to say that uh, the family is the building block of society. So you can kind of see the social decline. You know, this podcast was developed, you know, really as a response. I didn't really know what to do in this culture. Like, mm. I'm, I'm not, we talked about this, you and I. It was like one of the first, you were one of the first persons who I talked about, like, my distress about what was happening. But I couldn't see myself yeah. Yeah, yeah. as, as uh, with my personality, like marching and fighting. And, and uh, it just wasn't me. I didn't feel called to that. I'm not saying that that's bad. It just wasn't my purpose at the moment yeah. to be an activist. But for me, like my whole thing was to, you know, reach the next generation to hopefully provide some type of, you know, support and guidance, you know, with the help of others. And, uh, you know, so if the families are the building block of society, the couples, the relationships are number one. You mm-hmm. had said it really great before, like if you can't get together with one other person, like how could countries, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. get along with each other, right? The first time uh, she and I dated, 
it was the even though I had been in several relationships and had acquired all this knowledge about like myself and about other people and about how a relationship could work one of the things that I learned is that you you acquire all this experience in a relationship and then if you end up moving on you carry that with you you try to be better if you've if you've got some time between them which I didn't always have a lot of time but you also work on yourself alone and then you you keep trying to be like the better version of yourself so that way if you do go into a new one you bring all this knowledge in and you keep trying to make it better and the one thing i kept learning was that every new relationship was almost like almost like none of that mattered and the other person doesn't care what you know it's yeah. like you're not smart i'm just meeting <laughs> you for the first time you don't know anything about me whatever you've learned like out the window with that and we she and i for like the first time i mean she was one of the first people that i had a lot of a lot of struggles communicating with up front Everything else, like my other relationships, they were fine on paper in the front. Like, they were easy. Mm -hmm. And whether or not I was, like, invested or not was it was of no consequence. It was, like, it was just so easy. That might have been why I was in them for so long. I, I, there wasn't a lot of tension. And most of them, there wasn't a lot of fighting. <laughs> but uh, this girl, man, we we just <laughs> fought like we like we were breathing sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. a couple of days of joy and a couple of days of fighting, and it would just kept being it. I'm like, why is this happening? And then we would break up routinely, which I had never done before. Before, if I broke up, that was it. Yeah. No going back. No hard feelings usually, but, like, no going back. This person was like, all right, we broke up last month. Here we go again. Oh, we're breaking up tomorrow. Cool. Got it. <laughs> Number five, we're back. We're doing yeah. this again. And... So then that thought started to creep into my mind. I'm like, no, I know we can do this. Like, this, this is the work. Like, people need to be able to resolve their differences, especially if they both want to. You know, we, yeah. we were drawn to each other, and it wasn't just sexual. It was, like, we, we, act, we liked each other, and we yeah. really wanted to, like, see this thing through. But we kept, like, fighting and, and like, blowing up and parting ways and then trying to come back, and I'm like, there's got to be a way. Like, if, if the two of us, just two individual good people who want to make this thing work, can't figure it out, then, like, the running joke for me, which wasn't really a joke, is that there's, there's really no hope for the rest of the world. Like, there's no hope for countries. There's no hope for politics. Because that's just amplified by, yeah. by age, by the amount of people involved. Like, we need to be able to do this if we still want to. It's okay if we don't. Because yeah. that's, that's fine. That's just like saying, you know what, I, I don't want this anymore. If you agree that that's what you want, fine. But to keep coming back and, and clashing, mm -hmm. you know, just two bowls, just ramming. Mm -hmm. It's just like, no, why are we doing this? We don't want to be miserable, but we do want to be together. Right. So we've got to figure this out. Yeah. And, yeah, this, this, is, this is relationships. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, sir, I would like to give you my full certification that what you have is a relationship relationship versus relationship yeah uh, uh good <laughs> i i'm happy to hear this you said good <laughs> well listen this has been an excellent conversation you and i will continue to have conversations offline i'm sure definitely um but if you guys don't know aremo massa he can be found on instagram at aremo creates correct yep, yep. aremo and, creates uh, tell, what, what do you do on aremo creates so that way people can kind of have a sense and if they wanted to reach out to you uh i'm an artist an illustrator and kind of just generally, I'll say artist, illustrator, and painter, um, and, and muralist. So you'll see a lot of, you'll probably see a lot of digital art, because I can crank those out the fastest, and I do that for fun. But every once in a while, if you scroll back farther enough, 
you might see me working on a mural or on a painting or just anything kind of artsy like that, anything visual. Um, so yeah, you'll see that there. Uh, and you can also find me, I have another Instagram, just broadcast quality, all one word. That's just me living my everyday life. That's me on my bike. My bike is my favorite uh, item that I own. Running, pretending to be an athlete, <laughs> taking pictures of sunrises and sunsets as if you've seen them for the first time. Uh, and yeah. If you like two. aesthetic things, go to Broadcast Quality. It's just, it's always a joy to look at him on his bike, on his stories and things like that, riding around Philly. Yep. And uh, listen, man, I want to say thank you so much for allowing me to be in your home, to be able to do this here in this beautiful place and uh, and for sharing your experience because I know this is not easy. You know, I, I, I'm actually a little bit concerned even if I said anything that would step on our... <laughs> Hopefully she won't be mad at me uh, if I said anything crazy. Uh, I, I, and, think, I think we did good today. Think, I'm gonna I'm gonna, gonna give us a passing yeah, grade. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. We'll see. You know, the CEOs. That's really what matters. Yep. They're yeah. they're listening. They're waiting. All right, brother. Now we're gonna go out and get some um, vegan sandwiches. Is that correct? Yeah. All we're, right. We're gonna find some vegan things. I got vegan some options. Things. All right. Let's go do it. All right. Cool. All right, Thank guys. you. You guys take care. Up until this point in our lives, we've done the best we could with what we've known. Hopefully today we've come to learn something new, so we can be better to give better. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Upstream. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the dot upstream podcast and join us every other Tuesday for fresh content. Until then, just keep swimming, friends.